You guys know the movie Groundhog's Day, right? Where it feels like the same day over and over and over again. Well, that's probably what it feels like when you're flipping through profiles when you're online dating, right? Like you've seen the same profile again and again and again and again. She's not just one of those profiles. You're also probably one of those profiles. And no one loves to live the same day over and over and over again because it's boring. So make your profile interesting, enticing, alluring, clever, something that she's never seen before. And I promise you, the amount of times you get swiped on left will go down drastically. So if you want more matches, stop wasting time, stop living in Groundhog's Day, and having the same experience on a dating app day in and day out. So go to kristenandchill.com if you want help with your banter. Of course, I'm there for that. But I'm also here to make you look your best, sound your best, and appear your best. So you can start getting those matches and getting on to dates. Coming up on this week's episode of the Ask a Women podcast, we have two lovely women with me today talking about toxic relationships, codependency, and how to avoid them, but potentially also shift them for yourselves. You may be the toxic one in relationships. You may be the codependent. And these ladies are going to give you advice on how to, number one, identify that, and also how to shift that within yourself. So keep listening. to another episode of the Ask Women podcast. I have two lovely ladies on with me today because Kristen Carney is out. She is at, I was going to say the doctor, but she's at the gynecologist right now. So we're, we're talking about female stuff and she's doing female stuff. So we're all kind of in the same boat, but I have Sherry Gabba on with me. And I also have Carla Romo on with me. Sherry Gabba is an LCSW and transformation coach. And Carla is a dating and relationship coach. And both of them are the co-hosts of the Love Fix podcast. And what we're going to talk about today is co-dependency and toxic relationships. And the reason that I was so adamant about having you ladies on is because many of the guys that I work with have come out of toxic relationships and I'm not sure they know how to recover from it or if they have recovered from it. And I'm not sure how they know how to avoid getting back into a similar situation. So that's what I want to talk about today. So Sherry and Carla, thank you so much for coming on to the Ask Women podcast. Thanks. You are so welcome. And so great that you're speaking to men about this because so often it's an audience of women. So And yeah. there's so much shame too. I have so yeah. much to say about this. Obviously, we'll get into it, but it's like there's so much shame with men yeah. who are with women who are manipulative or controlling or abusive or addicts, right? And then they feel inadequate and they don't always have the support yeah. that women do to be able to have outlets and people to talk to yeah. about it. Yeah. And that's what I want to dive into today. But I, I do want to ask one question and maybe this is me being like anti-man right now, which I'm not. I'm usually a huge misogynist and like pretty much anti-female. But <laughs> the guys that I work with, I hear so often that my wife had borderline personality disorder. And I don't know, do so many people have this disorder or is it or could it be 
a misunderstanding of where people have gotten to from lack of communication, lack of love, intimacy, that it turns into what seems like, and this might be like, oh, women aren't like that, but I know there's crazies out there, 100%. Are there that many crazies? I'd love to hear what you ladies think. (laughs) Well, there's crazies on both sides, but Sherry, I think, can break down more statistically speaking personality disorders and what that really looks like. Right. So a borderline, I think people just are constantly throwing out labels And I think we have to be really careful. You know, borderline personality is someone who doesn't have a sense of identity. They're very black or white. They love you. They hate you. They love you. They hate you. A lot of times they could also be bipolar or bipolar and not borderline. I just think that is something just like I think women throw around narcissistic abuse. I think men throw around borderline personality. But the bottom line is if somebody's up and down, you're creating a trauma bond. So even if it's not borderline, but their personality is such where they're, I love you, I hate you, I'm up and down, I'm up and down and moody, there's going to be a trauma bond that's formed because you're always waiting for the person that is loving and wonderful. The person that you probably met in the very beginning that charmed you. So it's kind of funny how all these things overlap, but I just hate labels, you know, to a certain extent because none of us want to be stigmatized with a label. Yeah, but also... Like if somebody really is borderline, then they've gone to a therapist and got a proper diagnosis of it. And right. And it's up to them and their responsibility to take care of their mental health. But to just call somebody or whatever. Right. It's just kind of like Sherry said, it's just like throwing labels at people. Yeah. Well, so how can guys know the difference? Because I work with men. I give them the female perspective and doing this for 20 years and have done a lot of research. And I myself am a woman who is in a 20 year relationship. And I know that there's certain times where I'm sure my husband could label me that way because sometimes I like him and sometimes I hate him. But I mean, it's for good reason. (laughs) Well, maybe I'll just go through a couple of definitions of a toxic relationship. Okay. And then people can say, oh, that might be me. And maybe that can kind of help weed out whether or not someone's a borderline or not. But they do a lot of ruminating and obsessing and they're constantly worrying about their partner. It's definitely a toxic sign if you are altering your habits for that person. So you're kind of turning yourself into a pretzel to make that person happy because you're, at, you know, you're in fear all the time and you're in fear because you're walking on eggshells all the time and there's a lot of fights. And if you say the wrong thing, you're going to get criticized or you're going to get yelled at. You often feel really guilty when you're in a toxic relationship and they basically that toxic person is constantly pointing the finger at you, which makes you feel guilty. Plus because toxic people often find codependence, and I'll let Carla get into codependency, there is that feeling of guilt that shows up when you're with someone who's codependent. A lot of fighting, a lot of manipulation, a lot of controlling behaviors, a lot of yelling, a lot of insulting. It can turn into domestic violence with physical injuries, lots of disrespect, a lot of dishonesty, betrayal, cheating. One of the biggest signs is you lose your self-care. So if you're with someone who's toxic, you know, you, let's say you're a guy, you know, you stop watching your sport games or you, that's kind of being sexist to me because women watch sports. <laughs> but, right. That's not for a man. He quits his sewing club. What, you know, we want to yeah, be fair. I'm sorry. That, I was so my age at that point. But, that is so bad. But yes, no, it's not, not doing what you love. Bad. I mean, a lot of like, I mean, if you look at statistically speaking, right, a lot of men watch sports compared to yeah. women. But, you know, when you look at like codependency and codependent relationships, really it's rooted in low self-esteem. Now you might not think you have low self-esteem. So you might think, oh, I'm fine. I'm successful in my career. I've got friends or whatever. 
But what essentially codependency is, is that you lose a part of yourself or all of yourself to the other person. And that looks like trying to fix, change, manage, take care of, save someone else. And manipulate. Yes. That's a big one. I always say that codependents are extremely manipulative and not in the sense that you are an abuser, manipulation, power struggle type of thing. But manipulation and codependency is I need you to be okay so that I'm okay. And if you're not okay, then I'm not okay. So we need to get you to a place of where you're okay. And a lot of men rescue, right? And women do too. But if you're one of those men on the, you know, the white horse and you're trying to rescue someone, you're rescuing someone that's maybe broken. Guess what? That's not your job to fix that person. Right. It just isn't. And the other thing too I see a lot with men is they also want to be saved. So they had some kind of trauma in their childhood and they feel like they need to be saved or that other people won't relate and that they they can't express themselves. So they get into these relationships where things happen very quickly and you're you're sharing about your different traumas and pasts and you know, you think that this person can help save you and fix you. And that is a recipe for dysfunction. Okay. You're looking for a mommy. I was married to an alcoholic, a lovely guy who was treating me really well, but he was looking for a mommy. He, he didn't have a very good upbringing, had trauma. I had a, his own abandonment issues. I had my own abandonment issues, like Carla was saying. So we kind of like kind of attached to each other. And he was just looking for someone to take care of him. Well, as I'm listening to you guys and like, I don't think that I have trauma in my past or, you know, if it's anything, it's like minimal trauma. But I resonate with a couple of the things that you were saying. So like... How do you know if you're just immature, a little bit insecure versus a codependent? And and I guess that leads to my next question is like, can you work to get out of that codependency together? So for example, guys who are in a relationship with somebody who is a little bit insecure, so they might seem all over the place and they don't feel secure in the relationship. Is there a way to help this woman feel more secure? Or does he just say, no, this isn't the relationship for me. You're not worth my time. Like, I feel like I would have been dumped long ago. Had (laughs) So yeah, I don't think it's so black and white in the sense of like, you either help them and stick it out or you're out, right? I look at it as if somebody really has serious, like the partner that you're with has serious insecurities and maybe is an alcoholic or serious mental health issues or just mental health issues they're not taking care of. It is up to them to take care of themselves. There's nothing that you can do. The only thing you can do if you decide to stay with somebody who's, let's use an active drinker or user, like addiction, that type of thing. If you decide to stay with them, then you need to focus on yourself and change your behavior because you are part of the cycle of dysfunction regardless of whether or not this other person's using, drinking, not taking care of their mental health. And what would that person, what would their role be in that? Like how would they switch up what they're doing? Either not get brought into the drama or what what would they do? Yeah. So there's boundaries are a really big thing. Creating boundaries, getting a life. I always like to say having a life, make sure that you have friends. A lot of men do not have close male friendships. They don't. They isolate. And really it's getting guy friends that you can talk to about these things. It's really pushing yourself out of your comfort zone and not looking at your relationship to be the savior, to be your everything. And also, you know, if you keep getting into these toxic codependent relationships, it's time to kind of look at your own trauma, possibly. I mean, if it keeps happening, there may be something underneath you that's allowing you to pick this. You know, if you come from trauma, generally you feel invisible, you've not, you've been neglected or abandoned or you've been abused, your parents were addicts, maybe you had a single parent and you were parentified. 
So you've got to find a therapist like myself and really sit down and find out, well, why do I keep doing this? And what are some of those patterns that I need to change? Right. Why am I drawn to these kinds of people? Because if it's not making you feel happy, listen, I have this, sorry that I'm interrupting you, but this, I have this one client who likes saving women. He just does. It makes him feel complete and he's very content when he's doing it. He gives up a lot of himself. That makes him feel even happier. And he's very sincere about being happy. We've talked about, you know, finding women who are at his own level. And he's like, it's not who I want. I want someone that I can take care of. So yeah, I say that that's somebody who is, and I've coached men like this before as well. And that's somebody who is just not ready to make changes yet. And that's okay. You know, they're where they're at. That is what's safe for them. Sherry can talk about the trauma piece of like the way that, you know, we allow ourselves to open up if we're disassociating or we continue doing things because we're too, like, it's scary to do something different. I mean, who am I to say if that makes him happy and that's what turns him on. But to me, he sounds possibly broken because you keep wanting to pick people that you want to rescue. That means that you're up here and they're down here, which makes you feel more powerful, which makes you feel more in control, which... You know, I don't know if he's an abusive person or if he criticizes his partners or. No, but I think on the flip side, he has partners who don't fully appreciate him and do negative things to him, like cheat on him. They take advantage of him. Well, they take advantage of him because they're looking to be taken care of. And and he wants love. I don't know what he gets out of that. I don't know what a person would get out of that unless they're very uh, they feel not great about themselves. And by being with someone who's less than that makes them feel more powerful. That's the only thing I can think of. The other thing I think about too with my male clients who are in similar situations of that, where they're looking to like save, what they're getting from it is trying to resolve childhood issues. And that's what they keep going back for. It's like an addiction, right? And they go back because that's what gives them life. It gives them fuel. It fills up their cup a little bit. It makes them happy, but it's a temporary fix. It's not longevity. They want to feel needed and, you know, they want to hold somebody hostage so that they may have their own abandonment issues. So, you know, if this person needs me, they won't leave me. I mean, I did that a lot. I picked all kinds of guys that had less money than me, were had alcoholics. I mean, all kinds of broken people so that, oh, well, they need me. So they'll live in my house and they won't abandon me. Like They won't leave you. They won't leave me. So... Yeah, it's kind of complicated, but you know, find a great trauma therapist if, if it's if it's bugging you. Like that's I love what Carla said. It's like if this is working for you and you're not miserable because of it, keep doing that till the end of the day, and you're not ready for it yet. If you decide that this is something that you want to shift and change, then go do trauma therapy, figure out where this is coming from, and do some work so that it can possibly elevate. They just haven't reached their emotional bottom at this point. Yeah which is like the majority of people, right? Like most people have have not and they walk around with all of this stuff. Well, I work a lot with, you know, women that have been in toxic relationships and I love the women that stick it out. But, you know, a certain amount of them come in to see me. They want me to fix things. Carla and I always have this thing where we're not the fix-it girls or whatever we call it, Carla. We're not the Band-Aid girls. We're not the (laughs) Band-Aid girls. You know, I'm not here to like, you know, in five sessions uh, help you you know, change your narcissistic or toxic relationship into something healthy. I mean, I'm, I'm going to talk about why you keep picking this person. Uh, what are you getting out of it? Do you want change? Do you want to change your patterns? But we're not here to change him. And a lot of times they want to change 
him or her. In this case, we're talking about men wanting to change her. And I'm not the person to do that. I'm not here, you know, but a lot of people want that instant gratification. They want that instant fix. Yeah, of course. Of course. I do have a question, but let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and I'll ask any questions. So give it one minute so that people can hear from our amazing sponsors who without them, we would not be able to do this show. So we'll be back in a minute. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Oh man, we are entering a new year. Thank God. Do you guys feel the same way? Get 2023 the heck out of here. I'm ready to get into 2024, but I don't want to go in unprepared. I want to leave behind some things from 2023, but I also want to keep the things that I've learned from 2023. And a lot of those things that I've learned have been through therapy. I've learned boundary setting, how to cope with anxiety. I've learned and realized that I hang on to a lot of stuff that I do not need to and does not serve me. And so I want to enter 2024 with that knowledge, but I'm probably going to enter it with a lot of other crap. And to help me get rid of a lot of that other crap, I've used BetterHelp. And so if you're thinking about trying therapy and you want to have a better 2024 than a 2023, give BetterHelp a try. It's done entirely online and designated to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So celebrate the progress that you've already made and visit BetterHelp.com AskWomen today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash askwomen. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. If you listen to the Ask Women podcast, then you are already miles and miles and miles ahead of other men when it comes to attracting and getting the girls you want. But I must confess, there's one missing piece in the puzzle, and that's flirting or the ability to ignite sexual chemistry with any girl you meet in a matter of minutes. Most guys suck at flirting. They can't flirt their way out of a paper bag. But as your personal wing girl, I can't let you be one of those guys. That's why I want to show you the most effective step-by-step formulaic approach to flirting with any girl you like. This formulaic approach has been tested on thousands of girls and has been proven to work like magic. Yes, magic. You just apply the formula and see results instantly, and it's that powerful. To find out everything about this flirting formula, all you have to do is go to winggirlmethod.com slash flirty. I've made a special video for you where I reveal what this formula is all about. Go to winggirlmethod slash flirty and you'll find out all about it. All right, we're back with Sherry Gabba and Carla Romo, who are the co-hosts of the Love Fix podcast where you talk about codependency and toxic relationships and how to steer clear of all of it. So I wanted to talk to you ladies about maybe not rules, but like if guys are just in in the beginning of the dating process, how can they scan for women who potentially would feed into their past patterns or are toxic or are codependent? Like, how do you spot these things? Are there like little tests that you can put out there to see whether or not 
this is a healthy, if you're a healthy man and in a good place, like how do you make sure that this woman isn't going to get bad shit crazy on you? Yeah. So I'm actually all against tests because what you're doing is you're taking your past and you're projecting it onto this person. Okay. So let's reframe it as, as signs, like signs to look for. Yeah. Signs. What I look at is as having boundaries. I mean, if you've been in toxic relationships, you did not have boundaries. So what I see as boundaries as going out with, you know, if you're going to go on a date with somebody, if she keeps canceling, but you're like so excited about her, the boundary is it doesn't matter. She's not being consistent. Don't go out with her. Tell her that you're no longer interested. It looks like you guys want different things. That's a sign, right? Somebody who's canceling. Somebody who doesn't really respect your time. So shows up late, doesn't give you any type of warning of being late. Somebody who talks a lot about past relationships and exes on a first date major red flag. And if you're sitting there going, oh my God, I've done that too. That's okay. It's probably how you were bonding with past dates before, but it's just not appropriate to talk about those things. What you're looking for, the green flags that you're looking for is someone who's consistent, somebody who uh, can be emotionally available and what that looks like, not talking about past traumas on dates, not trying to get into you know, political or religious debates and discussions on a first date, even if you agree, right? Like you want to make sure that you're having a conversation around what do we have in common? Do we have enough interests that we can go on the second date? What if you have common about how you think about politics? What if that's in common? Or I think it's okay to say, hey, yeah, that's awesome. We agree. And let's keep to like getting to know each other. Okay. Because there's tons of people out there that you can have agree with in terms of politics and religion and all that kind of stuff. But why would you, you have about an hour to an hour and a half on a first date, right? Why take the time to sit there and talk about political beliefs when you could be actually getting to know whether or not you're right fit or not? So that's where I go with that. I think it's important. I mean, it comes down to values, but, but that's the other thing is the green flags are, do you have the same values? Asking the question, you know, my, my partner asked me on the second date, what are your values? I loved that question. I was like, oh shit, this is a good one. Um, because ultimately... But I, I don't know if every woman does. I will tell you something. I've said, listen, we're in a very different space. We are in the self-help space. We have done work sure. on ourselves. Sure. I talked to my friends about like bringing up values. They're like, fuck no, I would run for the hills if I heard anybody asking me my values on a first date. They'd rather talk about religion and politics. Yep. Well... You're talking about people who want to get out of codependency and toxic relationships. Right. So if you know that's a pattern of yours, codependency just doesn't go away. So asking those questions are important because you want a partner who's emotionally intelligent, who does the work on herself. If you want a successful relationship, and I'm not saying, you know, that your friends aren't emotionally intelligent who would run for the hills. They're horribly unemotionally intelligent. You know, if they were asked what your values are, but this is a specific type of man, right? Who wants to get out of these types of toxic patterns. Right. And so it's about picking a partner, not just going along and playing a game and trying to play it cool, but actually being intentional. And it takes work. Okay. And some other things I would probably want to be aware of is that person turning themselves into a pretzel just to be with you. Are they, you know, stopping seeing their friends? Are they breaking plans with other people so they can go out with you? I mean, that might feel good, but that's a person that probably has some codependent issues or low self-esteem. Oh God, I am totally codependent. I would do that in a heartbeat. If I met somebody, I always say to my girlfriends, like (laughs) when you meet somebody, if a friend meets somebody new, you're not going to see them for three months. That's just how it is, right? Mm. So So how do you decipher? So maybe I am codependent, but... Well, I just think you got to hold on to yourself. Yes. Yes. I just think canceling, 
plans for somebody. That's like saying you're more a value than my friend. Well, they are at that point. <laughs> I, I tell I tell all my clients that if somebody suggests let's go on a date at 7 p.m. and you've got an early spin class, you tell them, no, that doesn't work for me. Maybe we can do this time at a different time instead. And you suggest the other time because you've got to keep your life going. If you start canceling things and you're losing yourself. And that can turn into obsession. Like the, you want to look for things like love obsession, love addiction. Yeah. Like is that person obsessing over you, texting you all the time? You know, I don't know what your thoughts are. You both are younger than me, but is kind of like, do you want the guy to chase the woman or the woman's chasing you? I, I have a friend, we, we went out last week and she met a guy exchange numbers. She's like, I'm not going to chase him. And I'm like, exactly. Let him call you. Because we kind of, you know, we were like scoping him out. He seemed really shy and he probably won't call her because he's shy, but that's not good enough because you don't want to be with the shy. If you don't, why do you want to be the guy that can't even make a call to ask you out? I mean, that's just like, forget about it. I mean, that's just my opinion. No, but that's an interesting insight into a lot of women about how they think, right? Yeah. Even though that shy guy could be phenomenal. He just has a habit of being shy that he might be working through. Yes. But yeah. And if we're talking to guys, I'd say, Hey guys, make that phone call. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'd love to hear some more red flags from you. I just like, I guess I'm also coming, I'm not coming from this space of having a toxic relationship. So to have that as a background, but, and I guess people who were in a toxic relationship would know more of what to look for, but are like, so like maybe even a sign, you've already stated them of you becoming codependent. You start giving up your life. You start canceling things for yourself. But what would be like, like maybe even just three big red flags, maybe things that you hear on a date. Because I, I will say, I wouldn't consider it a red flag if somebody talked to me about politics, if I was engaging in that conversation. Is it ideal? Does it bolster attraction? Probably not. But I wouldn't consider that a red flag. It might just be something that we really connect on. And we may not have a second date after that. But that wouldn't be a red flag that that person could potentially be toxic or codependent. How about simply how do you feel inside yourself? You know, because I'm coming from the trauma or therapy perspective, everything starts in our bodies. Like, what do you notice when you're on the stage? Are you feeling insecure? Are you feeling like you want to get attached too quickly. Like what is going on with you? Like really slowing your nervous system down. And again, you know, I don't know if guys are interested in this kind of thing, but if you really slow yourself down, you can really figure out what you really know, what you know. Like if, you, if you're just being impulsive and you're just going with, oh, wow, they're hot, they're beautiful, they got big boobs, whatever, that's not really slowing it down. You know, so yeah. again, I don't know who, you know, if your audience wants to be more, self-examine, you know, if they want to self-examine more. It's so important to do that, to figure out what do I feel inside? What is my GPS telling me? What is my inner self telling me about this person? I know that if I have that, oh my God feeling, I'm running to the hill because I know that that, oh my God feeling is not going to be a positive thing for me. Yeah. Right. So red flags. Okay. So we've got still friends with all her exes. Maybe one is cool, but what you're talking about there, and the reason I say that is what's underneath that, avoid an attachment style. So there's issues with attaching and there's issues with closure and moving forward. So that would be a red flag, friends with all the exes. Uh, another, trauma dumps, talks about all past trauma. That could be anything from family stuff to relationship yeah. stuff. And number three is just wishy-washy. 
you hear from her there, you hear from her then, okay, sort of you're like, all right, it's going away. Now she comes back again, right? And I would say those are some pretty big red flags up front. Yeah, I would say those are, well, all but the first one. But I, I agree with the second two to look out for. But I think also like it's a good combination with what Sherry just said. It's about how does that make you feel? Because I will say when I met my husband, I felt so at ease when I yeah, met him. There we go. Yeah. Didn't, yeah. I just yep. like, and other guys in the past, and this is, you know, my doing, their doing, our doing together. But I was like, uh, are they going to call me? Are they going to do this? Or that? Like I would just, my, my head was going absolutely insane. But with my husband, it was always just, no, I know he's going to call. I know he's going to text. Yep. I know I'm going to want to see him and we'll hang out and we'll have a nice time. It was just like very calm. Yeah. That sounds very healthy. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Calm. no, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, but like, I canceled yeah. every plan and told exactly. him but all I about my exes. my girlfriends for six months. <laughs> but I was 23 also when I met oh, him. Oh, okay. That's, yes. Yeah. You were very young. Yes, very, very yeah. young. But that's also something important to highlight for guys who are listening too. At different ages, there's different tendencies that we do have. So actually, I would love to hear your advice. Like the advice that's been given on the show right now, what age group is this? speaking to? Are these women who are over 25? Are they women who are over 35? Or is it just in general? Is this for every woman? I think it's in general because, you know, people get it when they get it. You know, right. in my book, Love Smacked, I talk about my multiple marriage and this and this and that. I mean, it's not about shame or blame. Any age. Right. Any age. Right. And I guess at 23, I was codependent. 100%. Yeah. And that makes sense. Yeah. That but, does make sense. So would that mean that I wasn't dateable at that time, that my husband should have ended things with me? Or is there a codependent who is looking to grow? Like, like what are you looking? Well, have you grown together? Oh, have yeah. the two of you? Oh, 100%. Yeah, I wouldn't say that your relationship was codependent. Maybe you were codependent. Oh, yeah. But the relationship, it doesn't sound like that was codependent. No, he was not codependent on okay, me. Okay, so there you go. He's secure. <laughs> attachment. So that's oh, why you no, were able to, it. to be secure that. and feel safe. Yeah. <laughs> so tough. He was always so confident. Yeah. And that's what you always want to be striving for is that secure person. That's what's going to make you feel safe. Yeah. Well, so I have a question. So when people have, is it a, an attached style or an avoidant style, do they never feel safe or do they feel safe in those styles? Like when they are, you know what I'm asking? Am I, am I being... Well, an anxiously attached often attaches to a love avoidant, so they're never going to feel safe. So the anxious attached person wants to try to find someone who is, has a secure attachment. And hopefully they're going to do the work while they're in this relationship, but at least they're in a relationship that feels safe. But that doesn't mean that safe, secure guy or woman is supposed to fix that anxiously attached person. But you want to feel safe. That is the bottom line. Do you feel safe? If you don't feel safe, I don't see it really working out, especially if you haven't actually attached. If you're a love avoidant, you're often going to find the person who's too available. And that's going to be like, ooh, ooh, you know, it's almost going to repel you because, I mean, at the bottom of all this is this need of intimacy, lack of being able to be, have an intimate relationship. If you can really connect with yourself, you can really connect with another person in a really deep, deep way. But a lot of people don't have that ability. They don't have those skills. Yeah. Would you say that all people are drawn to people that are secure? No. No. Oh, okay. No. No. I, right. no. 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 Most people, no. Anxious <laughs> attachment and avoidant attachment are literally drawn to each other. 
anxious attachments get bored with somebody who's secure attached, who has a secure attachment. And then even though that's good for them. Yes. And avoidance, they do better with people who are secure, but they, it still doesn't feel right because there's too much like healthy emotional intimacy. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And that does stem in trauma. You know, if you didn't get what you needed early on in life, you felt invisible. You were, like I said earlier, abandoned, abused, whatever. You're not going to have that ability to connect. I actually, I have a question to go on top of that then. So if a man is with either a secure man, which, you know, my clients are all, and audience is all aiming to be as a secure, like grounded man. If they're with a woman who is anxious or avoidant, are there, are there ways to communicate with these two types that could help them feel more proud of their choice to be with a secure person and not run away or not, you know, pounce on that person? Is there a way to help these women and potentially push them to grow and shift? So if you're anxious attachment and you're with somebody who's secure, it's important that the secure person, like in any relationship, you've got to meet your partner's needs, right? And there's things that trigger your partner and it's important to work through those triggers together and and support your partner, right? And, and make them feel reassured and secure. But when you're in an attachment style, say that you're secure and your partner is anxious, they're going to feel like, oh gosh, are you going to leave me? Are you cheating on me? And it's, you know, if you want to be in this relationship, being able to show up and reassure them, hey, I'm here, I'm not leaving you. Like, I love you so much. And being able to be accountable, right? And being able to be consistent is going to make your anxious partner become secure. If you are avoidant, somebody who is secure, right? In that role, because avoidant is one foot in, one foot out is, hey, okay, you need some alone time, no problem. I'll see you in a little bit, right? Like you're not freaking out where the anxious attachment would be like, oh my God, it's gonna be over. They're leaving me. Maybe they're cheating me. They're no longer interested in me, right? But somebody who's secure might just be like, all right, cool. They need some time, space, like no problem at all. I'll give it to them. And they're not worried that the person's going to leave or walk out. And that can make somebody who's avoidant feel secure. Okay. Well, just with the love avoidant, it's slowing it down, you know, because the love avoidant is, is very like, ah, and you just want to slow it down. You don't want to be obsessive. You don't want to be texting all the time. You don't want to be needy. You don't, mm-hmm. I mean, but if you are those things, got to really work on yourself because yeah. that's where it begins with yourself. Yeah. But so for the men that are listening, are there questions that they could ask these women, right? To find out what type they are. Because if they really like this woman, because as you just said, Carla, like everybody has shit you got to deal with, right? There's always something like learning to co-mingle with somebody is a challenge. Very rarely is it super easy without any struggles at all. So how do, like even first, second, third date, once the guy realizes like, oh, I like this girl, is there a way for him I mean, he could read a book to find out these things, but like, are there certain questions he could start asking her to find out, is she avoidant? Is she anxious? Is she codependent? I think it's watching the behaviors. It's really more that rather than what they say is what they do. Right. This is where it gets confusing because so many guys that I work with, right? They meet these women and they go on a date and they're like, we had a really fun time. And then they text and she doesn't respond till four days later. So for okay. that, like, oh, she's an that's avoidant. A flag. That's a flag. Yeah. No, 100%. but that's also lack of attraction and chemistry. So there could be many other things that are going on, right? So I don't want guys to get into this cycle of, oh, she's an avoidant, right? Again, slapping a label on somebody potentially. Yeah. 
there's avoidant tendencies or behaviors. I mean, if somebody doesn't get back in four days, even if they aren't attracted, but they're still like leading them on is not healthy behavior. No. So, right. It's typical behavior. Yeah. Yeah. If somebody's secure, they'll just be like, Hey, you know what? It was really nice meeting up with you. I'm just not interested. Wish you all the best. Right. And that's somebody who's confident with themselves, but. And someone who's avoiding you, the question is, why would you want to chase after that person? Right, 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 right. I guess my question is like, at certain stages, how do you know if they just don't like you or they're avoidant, right? So like, let's say you've gone on three days. (laughs) Okay, okay. Right? So it's like, they're not into Mm -hmm. me or they're avoidant. Like, how do you know? So are there questions that you can ask of a woman? Yes, yes, yeah, 100%. So, all right. In the very beginning, actually, avoidance can seem very engaged and into it. And it's right when you start saying, hey, so maybe you guys are having sex and you're like, not during sex, but after or before. And you're like, hey, just curious. Like, are you sleeping with other people? Like, I'm looking to kind of like make this more exclusive. We don't need to be in a relationship yet because we're still getting to know each other. But, you know, we want to have sex. And so I just want to know, like, are you hooking with other people? She might not feel ready to commit to that. She might be like, oh, well, I don't know. I think we're just having fun right now. Like, right, like kind of tiptoeing around the answer. Another is saying like checking in like, hey, like, how are you feeling about everything? Like, are you like into this, whatever? Like, yeah, I mean, like, we're seeing each other. Like, it's fun. Like, there's no direction. It's not like, look, if a woman wants to be with you, she will let you know she wants to be with you if you're bringing up that question. She will be very definitive of, hey, yeah, I really like where this is going. Where, how are you feeling? Yeah, I really like this too. And then she's kind of waiting for you to be like, hey, well, is this official? Like, can I call you my girlfriend or whatever? Well, what if she's avoidant? She doesn't do that though. Is she, no, she's going to tiptoe around it. Or she'll be like, yeah. Or like, there's going to be a hesitation or there's going to be something there that she is now like one foot in, one foot out. It's when you start to get the commitment the emotional intimacy, you're going to feel a resistance. That's when they're going to run. That's when the fear starts and that avoidant is going to run. But how do you know if that's she doesn't like me enough or she's avoidant? Like that's where I want guys to be able to say, okay, now I know this about her. I'm not going to ask that question that way, right? I'm going to tailor it a little bit differently so she doesn't get spooked. So are there conversations to have before of like... I feel like that's manipulation. So I feel like if you're trying to like tailor things so she doesn't get spooked at that point, if somebody can't commit to you and have those conversations, then she's not doing the work on herself. But you're saying two different things because you're saying she might like you, but she's avoidant, right? So in order to have her be more secure, if so for example, with my husband, I know, and even with my children, I know that if I go into their playroom and I say, okay, we're leaving, they're like, fuck you. I'm not going anywhere. And they're going to throw a, they're going to throw a tantrum. But if I say... Five minutes, yeah, and we're going. Three yeah. minutes, and we're going. Sure, one You're minute, and we're going. A, yeah. So I'm just saying, like, learning how to communicate with different styles of human beings. Yes. Yeah. But if somebody is not willing to commit, so okay, there's avoidance. Who are willing to commit? Who will say yes? Let's be in a relationship. And then back to what Sherry said, their behavior is going to be one foot in, one foot out. So you'll got be like, it. it's a Friday night. Are we hanging out this weekend? They'll be like, oh, well, I've already got plans. Okay. So you're like, wait, we're in a relationship. Right. What's going on? The behavior's weird, right? If you're having a conversation and they can't bring themselves to committing to that conversation, I would say that's a red flag of avoidance. Like, okay, that's somebody who doesn't like yes. you. Yes, there we go. Yeah. Okay. See, my fear is if you're meeting people that are this way where they're very wishy-washy or they're avoiding you or they're not direct, I want to look at the guy and say, what's going on with you? 
you even want to right that you want to chase after like that like this is yeah you don't want to push or pull or or beg or none of that stuff is going to get you what you want you know if you if you meet a healthy woman with self-esteem who has a secure sense of self she's not going to play games with you right? no i mean she's just not going to play games she's not going to be afraid of intimacy she's not going to be afraid of connection and that's why if he keeps picking these kind of women that aren't like that i want him to go deeper and say, what is it about me that I keep doing this? And why am I just attracted to that type? You know, it's a learned behavior, but you have to unlearn it. You know, we attract what we know. So if you're attracted to that unavailable, avoided type person, somebody must have been most likely avoided in your life growing up. So let's, let's work on that. Let's figure out what that's about. So we don't keep repeating those patterns. Yeah. Yeah. There's a difference between somebody just not being interested in you, right? And they're, they're going to like drop off and not really talk to you much. But there's somebody who's avoidant who wants to have connection. That's the that's the thing about avoidance is they want to connect. It's just when things start to get real, they start to pull away because they're scared. Mm-hmm. I guess because I'm, I'm trying to look at it from all angles to like to answer for guys who maybe don't have trauma, right? Or, but like, I also want to give the benefit of the doubt to some people who are still in the process of working on themselves and not to be ruled out right away. Because there's like women who are never going to work on themselves. And there's women who don't know they have to work on themselves yet and that they have things going on. And there can, but I I hear what you're saying. You're like, it depends. Like, does this guy want to be a savior or does he want to be with another person who is here? I just don't think anyone should be our project. Yeah. Or do, as Sherry always says, don't fall in love with potential, fall in love with reality. And so it's like the potential is, well, I, I, she's smart and all these things and she's awesome. But, oh, like I, I just see so much potential in where she could go if she understood her avoidant attachment style. Right. I know. But like, I guess it's that's like my insecurity that's popping up thinking like, I don't think anybody would have ever selected me a long time ago, right? But I feel like, but you were selected. So I was, but like maybe yeah. he was, maybe he was an avoid. I don't even know. But I'm just saying, like maybe I tricked him in some. I don't. I don't even know. I guess <laughs> I'm just. I'm trying to feel for like the underdog who's potentially going to work on themselves in the future, and there is potential for them to be great. But they grew up in a situation where they don't know that that's an option for them. Until there's enough pain, there will not be gain. Like right. people just have to sometimes reach their own right. bottom. Right. So I think like what I'm hearing overall from you guys is if you have a past history of dating codependent women and it's become toxic for you, like listen to your body, know the signs to look for that have kind of bit you in the butt before in the past and see what patterns they're showing to you. If that is going to ultimately get you to that same space. And if it is, put an end to it and switch up with the women that you're dating and avoid that because it ends up being trouble for you. That's what I'm hearing, right? Yeah, 100%. And, you know, I think as well, because like, you know, Sherry's a codependent and love addict and I'm a codependent. And I guess I just, you talk about like the underdog who has potential and whatever. And, you know, there is a certain level of responsibility though, you know, <laughs> like somebody who needs to do this work and you know, if there's a guy out there that sees that potential and they're like, I don't know, like, I really like, I just see so like much in her. That's great. But honestly, like, she's not going to change for you. Nobody is going to change for you. Nobody's going to change for the relationship. They're going to change because they hit their bottom and they have to change for themselves. And that person has their own intimacy issue if they're picking broken people, in my opinion. That's just how I feel because 
they're looking for a project. They're looking for someone to fix rather than just be in an intimate, connected relationship. Yeah. So you just said both of you are codependents. Are you f- in recovery? In recovery. recovery. So yeah. what does that mean? So I no longer, I, I work daily at having no codependency characteristics going on anymore. So like the relationship I'm in right now is not codependent. I take really good care of myself. I show up for myself, but it's a constant, you know, it's a daily thing. Like once you're a codependent, you're a codependent. Yeah. So it's not like you just have to work on. You're free of it. Yeah, exactly. And so it looks like different, you know, asking for help in different ways in terms of therapy, doing trauma therapy, those types of things, but also really knowing myself and having boundaries, having a life of my own, I always like to say that no is a complete sentence. So just saying no to people, right? Like not being that people pleaser, feeling guilty, feeling bad, and and then just making choices in my life to reflect that. That's amazing. And with love addiction, I'm not in love with the fantasy of who I want someone to be. I'm in love with the person for who they are. I don't need someone to feel whole. I feel whole within myself without somebody. Sure, it's nice to have someone, but I don't have to have somebody. I don't go from relationship to relationship to relationship. I, I take little pauses in between, I'm not looking for someone again to fill up an emptiness. I mean, that's how I've grown. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about attachment styles and you can be anxious and avoidant. And I used to be both. But because of the work I did, I mean, I'm really secure now in my attachment style. So it is possible, but there was no relationship for a guy that I thought, oh, I need to do this for. It was 100% for myself. So it wasn't past relationships that triggered you to say, I have to do this work. It was that you didn't feel good about yourself in the relationships. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, there was relationships were the symptom, right? Or I was codependent with work when I used to work in television before I became a coach. So it's like I, there was symptoms of codependency in the sense of the things on the surface level. But really the root issue was that I had low self-esteem. I didn't feel lovable. I didn't feel enough. And it wasn't until I was able to do that work that I was like, ah, this is what being in a healthy relationship is all about. And if you feel worthy and if you have self-esteem, you're going to know that you deserve, you know, someone amazing. Yeah. Right. Or nobody at all. Right. Because you're, you're happy. True. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I love this. Thank you, ladies, for sharing that with me. And thanks for sharing even your journeys because that, that's a, a tough spot to be able to realize that and then actually do work and come out the other side. Oh, yeah. It's hard to make change. It's hard. Yeah. yeah. It's really hard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. Well, thank you so much. So again, this is Sherry Gabba and Carla Romo from the Love Fix podcast. Carla is the author of Contagious Love and Sherry is the author of Love Smacked, How to Stop the Cycle of Relationship Addiction and Codependency to Find Everlasting Love. Guys, if this is something that you struggle with, I would definitely go listen to their podcast. It's called Love Fix Podcast. And then potentially go go buy their books and read more into it because of... And check out our own websites. Uh, mine is yeah. sherrygaba.com, S-H-E-R-R-Y-G-A-B-A.com. And I guess it'll be in the show notes. And then Carla has her own. Yeah, carlaromo.com, Carla with a C. Okay, wonderful. All right. Thank you, ladies, so much for coming onto the show. Thank you for having us, Marnie. Thanks so much. Yeah. New episodes of the Ask Women podcast come out every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific. Please go and subscribe to our channel and share our show with other amazing men just like you who you know could use the information. You guys are awesome. We'll see you next week. Bye.